few scriptures uh, from the Psalms. David was Israel's great king. And uh, God used him in amazing ways. He had a great army. He won great victories. And under his kingship, Israel was at the height of her powers. Listen to what uh, he says in Psalm 27. He says this. One thing, one thing I ask from the Lord. This only do I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. When the day of trouble comes, where's the safest place for you and me? In his dwelling, in his presence. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. What does the great king say? He says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. Not a greater army, not a better balance of payments, uh, uh, not, not a bigger house. This is the one thing. The one thing is that I might dwell in the house of the Lord All the days of my life. Uh, uh, In Psalm 23, the great uh, uh, shepherd psalm. uh, The Lord is my shepherd. Listen to what he says. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. A number of us have memorized that. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. But there's no full stop there. It goes, for you are with me. Why do we fear no evil in the darkest valley? We fear no evil in the darkest valleys of life when we know, when we know that he is with us. And then uh, when the prophet Nathan uh, exposes David's sin when he committed adultery, with Bathsheba and murdered her husband, Uriah the Hittite. In Psalm 51, uh, David uh, uh, pours out his heart in repentance and sorrow. And there's just one line from that. Verse 11, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. David was longing, longing for the presence of God. He was longing above all That was the secret of his kingship. That was the secret of his success. We look for power. The power is in the presence, is in his presence. It's not so much uh, looking for, for, for power to receive power from God, but looking to have relationship with God. It's not like God's power is not like Um, Amazon Prime delivered to our door uh, uh, away from him it's it's the power is in the presence it's when he comes himself listen uh, to what other psalmists say Psalm 84 how lovely is your dwelling place Lord Almighty my soul yearns even faints for the courts of the Lord my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God and there's, there's again, 
Do, do you hear the repeat again and again and again? It's like I'm longing. My heart and my flesh are crying out. I long for you. Your dwelling place to me is lovely. Uh, listen to this, Psalm 42. The psalmist says, As the deer pants, longs for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Now this picture of the deer panting, longing for water. in the, It's not Bambi wanting to have a sip in a nice brook. This is in a desert. So the deer, as the deer in the desert is desperate for water to live, is longing for water to live in that way, so my soul longs after you. I'm longing for you. I'm longing as a, as a desperate deer is longing for water in the desert. We were made for him. We were made for his presence. We were created to be a people of his presence. And what we want to do as individuals and as a body is more than anything is to seek him. Where I became a Christian two months before my 16th birthday. And, and I tell you, my first two years were, I, I must have seemed mad. I must have seemed crazy to people. But I was desperate for God because I knew I needed him. You know, I was not satisfied with my life. God doesn't come to the satisfied. He really, because the satisfied won't receive him. He comes to the dissatisfied. He comes to those who are thirsty, to those who are hungry. And so often what he wants to do is create a thirst, create a hunger in us so that we long for him. If you don't long for him, ask him to make you thirsty, to make you hungry. St. Augustine said, uh, God put salt on our lips that we would thirst for you. He wants to put salt on our lips and he does that by sometimes taking us into desert places where there's not a lot to drink spiritually. And so we, we, either, we either atrophy or we, we say, I'm going to long for you. And I longed for him. And I, I did crazy things in the early years. Um, I, I, went, I went after him wherever I heard he was. Wherever there was somewhere where I, I, I heard that God lived, I'd be there. Whatever it costs. There, there was a church in Cockfosters. I, I, I go there now once a year uh, to try and pay him back years later. But there was a church in Cockfosters, a Catholic church, where I heard that God lived. And on a Monday night, they used to have these prayer meetings. And I would go, and I would get on the 107 bus, and it would take an hour and 20 minutes. And I'd be reading my Bible on the way there, getting excited. And I'd spend my Monday evening. I, this, I was 15, 16. I'd spend my Monday evenings with nuns and monks and priests and loving every minute of it because Jesus was there. And, and just drinking in his presence. And then going back. I, I, did, I did terrible things. Now this was wrong. What I did here was wrong. It was sinful. And you should never do anything like this if you're of the age. And you should never encourage anyone to do this. But I, I was so... I used to bunk off school. 
to sit in a field and read my Bible and pray and worship. Now, that's a terrible thing to do. You do not bunk off school. But I used to, I used to forge, I can't believe I did this, I used to forge letters from my mum uh, saying I was ill. Um, uh, and, 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 then, and then it was awful because then one, um, one uh, um, uh, what do you call it, parent-teacher day, um, uh, but my history teacher said to my mum, uh, Michael is ill a lot, isn't he? And my mum said, is he? No, he's not. And then they discovered and they found the letters that I had forged. So I was in big trouble. But I did it. I did it. And I used to go and I used to sit in a park and I used to sit in a field or on top of a hill with my Bible, spending the day. I just couldn't, I couldn't get enough of him reading it and praying and worshipping and reading and worshipping and talking to him. It was like, oh, this is, this is flipping paradise. And I, I used to go to Northwick Park. Um, there was a park by Northwick Park Hospital in North London. And um, you know in these parks they have these, um, these little islands of bushes and trees. Well, there was a bigger one. And I found this tree where there was a hollow in the tree and where it got hollowed out. And I can't believe that this actually happened. And I used to, it was in the days when I used to be able to climb trees. And I, I would climb and I would sometimes climb into the tree and hide in the hollow of the tree and sit there. I, I must be nuts praying and reading my Bible. And, uh, and there was a moment where I stopped praying uh, out loud and I just sat there reading. And without me knowing, this couple came and they sat under the tree and they started communicating uh, with each other non-verbally, if you get my drift. And I didn't know they were there. And suddenly I burst out in tongues and I scared the living daylights out of them. There they were having a snog and then suddenly the tree started going, and they were like, what on earth? And they started screaming and shouting and then my head popped up and I was as frightened as they were. And I've got memories like that, that are just crazy and over the top. But you know what? Sometimes, just sometimes, out of a passion and a desire for Jesus, just occasionally, let's do something utterly stupid. Let's do something utterly over the top. Not bunking school, I'm not saying that. But just sit in a tree. Seek his face. And do you know what? Those first couple of years, the fruit of that has stayed with me ever since. Because it was in that place. It was in that place that I discovered his love for me, not as, not as a theory, but deep here. You know there's a difference between knowing something here and knowing something here. When you just know something here, you have to keep reminding yourself. And do you know what? I don't have a lot going for me. I'm not the greatest intellect in the world. I'm not the most organized. I'm not, or anything like that. But do you know what I have longed for all my life? because I've been desperate, is him, is his presence. And do you know, do you know that makes up for everything? That makes up for everything. And I have noticed 
the people that God has used through the centuries are not by any means always uh, the, the best looking, the most intelligent, the most gifted, the most sophisticated. In fact, sometimes he's used very unsophisticated people. Although I have noticed that often he does use people with great hairstyles. <laughs> and, and, but what he's used, what he's used is people who have been a people of his presence. A people of his presence. Um, now, I don't often, I love this church and I love you and it's not often that I, I go negative and I say harsh things to you, but I'm going to now. And I think there's an area in the life of this church where you guys, I'm disappointed and you've got it wrong. And you need to turn around. And that is over your pathetic, and I will use that word, your pathetic decisions over food. Some of you, you are satisfied. You are satisfied with fish and chips. Others of you, um, uh, uh, steak and kidney pie. Others of you, Indian food. Some of you, Chinese food. Some of you, Thai food. And what you don't understand, you're satisfied with that. Why? Because you haven't experienced Greek Cypriot food. And when you experience Greek Cypriot food, you realise what you have been missing all your life. You, 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 and when you, and until... You, you receive Jesus. You think you know what life is like, but you're living in black and white when you could be living in colour. On Friday, because I care about him, I took Andy for the first time to a Greek Cypriot grocer in North London. And um, Andy, why don't you just come and give your testimony? It's true. I once was blind and now I see. Um, yeah, Mike, yeah, we went to this Greek place that Mike had been to. And uh, I, I remember we parked outside. I tried to prepare Mike because I was full already. And I've had experiences where he's fed me and fed me and fed me until I feel sick. So I said, I'm not going to eat very much. And he said, that's fine, but do not ruin this Greek experience for me. And, uh, and we went in, and he was chatting away in Greek, and we bought all this food, like a ridiculous quantity of food, which normally I would be shocked by, but I realized I'd walked into Greek culture where no one batted an eyelid when he was loading up six loaves of bread and 15 of these other things. And Anyway, and then Beth and I had a whole load of people around on uh, Friday night, and we were going to cook something, but we had all this massive amount of Greek food now, so we just said we're just going to eat all this Greek food. And I need to say, the testimony is, the food was sensational. It was. There was um, Greek sausages. They're not Greek sausages. Oh, yeah, yeah, look at me. Greek sausages, yeah. Greek sausages, yeah. And so they've been soaked in red wine, so we barbecued those, and they're full of flavor. And then there was these things that looked like I told you you looked like battered sausages and you were very offended. Uh, that's they're called gubes. It's minced lamb in, in this beautiful 
coating. It's not butter sausages. Yeah, they're all very proud of their food. And uh, it was this minced lamb. And then there was tzatziki, but it's not like the tzatziki you get in Sainsbury's. It's like proper, the real stuff, and hummus, the real stuff. And then what was that bread that, you know, like, that had like... Laones, which is um, uh, with, with cheese and, and sultanas and... Yeah, and then there was these Greek sweets that he bought that I'd never seen anything like it before, but again, tasted amazing. Baklava, have you ever had baklava? Unbelievable. Anyway, we had a great time, and I was channeling Mike the whole night. Thank you for, for sharing that. And, and you see, before Friday, Andy thought that life was okay. After Friday, he has tasted... He has tasted, and life will never satisfy again until he next eats Greek Cypriot food. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Once you've tasted, once you've had a taste, you never want to go back of his presence, of the beauty of his love, of the wonder of who he is. Taste and see that the Lord is good. In your presence, says the psalmist, there are pleasures evermore. And his desire for us is to create such a thirst, such a hunger, that we will seek his face. And the greatest thing that that we not only receive for ourselves, but we can offer a broken and hurting world is not better ideas, is is not is not more better sound bites, but it's him, it's him, it's him. The power is in the presence. The healing is in his presence. It's not about us, it's him. And we want to continue to be a people. I long. And you know what? When, when, uh, what I love about our, our Naturally Supernatural conference, uh, both in the winter and in the summer, <coughs> is the first meeting, everyone arrives and, and they're shuffling around. And, and, you know, and it's fine. It's a fine meeting. We worship and that. By the end, everyone's feel, it seems like everyone's glowing. By the end, everything's different. By the end, there's like an open heaven because we've been marinated in his presence. We've been there and people ask, why on earth do you have three long meetings a day, every day, for, for three and a half days? We have three long meetings a day, every day, for three and a half days because I want people to just marinate in his presence because that's how we change That's how we become more like him. When there's more of him in us, more of him in us. And uh, any account of revivals will tell you, any account of revivals tells you that when when God moves in, in his presence, the power comes and people don't just don't want to leave. Just don't want to leave. You know what um, Moses says in... um, uh, Exodus 33, uh, the Lord says to Moses, uh, now, okay, I promised you the promised land. I'm paraphrasing here. You guys go, but I'm going to stay in the desert uh, because if I go with you, I'm I'm scared I might destroy you. Um, And then uh, Moses says to the Lord, um, 
if you do not go with us, we're not getting up from here. For what else will distinguish us from all the other peoples on the face of the earth, except that your presence goes with us? Moses learned something. You know what? The promise had been the promised land. And God said, you can go, but I'm going to stay here. And Moses says, I'd rather be in the dry, barren desert with you than in the promised land, the land of milk and honey that you promised without you. I'm desperate for you. I'm longing for you. And what Moses says, he learned a lesson, what else will distinguish us? Do you know what? Nothing else distinguishes us from everyone else except we are the people of his presence. We really, we really are. I've done a study of this in many different nations, nearly all the continents. And on balance, Christians are not more intelligent than non-Christians. Uh, we're not better looking than non-Christians. We're not funnier than non-Christians. Uh, we're not more sophisticated than non-Christians. Uh, we don't have better hairstyles than non-Christians, although some of us might. The thing that distinguishes us and should do is that we're the people of his presence. And that is attractive. And what I want to say to you today, what I want to say to you is his presence, it, he's not a reluctant God. His presence is available. He's not reluctant to meet with us. And you know what? As I come into land, in, in the Old Testament, um, you know, God lived. He tabernacled with them. He, he lived uh, in the tabernacle and then the temple. That was his address. His glory fell at particular times. In the New Testament, uh, uh, John says in uh, chapter 1 of his gospel, um, uh, that, that God moved into the neighborhood. I love that phrase um, in, the, in the Eugene Peterson version, in the message of the version of the Bible. He moved in the neighborhood. His title that we celebrate at Christmas is Emmanuel, God with us. That's the joy of it. God came to be with us. But it even gets better, folks. It even gets better. Jesus says, um, to the disciples, uh, just as he's about to go to the cross, um, uh, in uh, John chapter 14, uh, verse uh, 17, but you know him, this is the Spirit, for he lives with you and will be in you. He lives in you, and the promise is he will be in you. Right now, says Jesus, because I'm with you, he is with you, but when I go to heaven, when I ascend to heaven, I will send him and he will come and live inside of you. Not just anoint prophets, priests and kings and a donkey, but all of you. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, says the Lord through the prophet Joel. And he will be in you. A few years ago, uh, I was invited to speak at a conference in Israel. And uh, Andy came with me. And uh, um, we had a couple of days off, and we went to Jerusalem, and we went to the old city of Jerusalem. And uh, it was amazing to walk through those narrow streets and think, oh my word, Jesus would have walked here. 
It was amazing. And I remember once when I went on my own to speak at another conference, I actually stayed in the um, uh, Mount of Olives Hotel at the top of the Mount of Olives. And one day I walked down into the valley. I, I walked um, through, through the, um, the um, um, what do you call it, the, the Garden of Gethsemane, where there are these um, olive trees that are hundreds, thousands of years old. And then I walked up, the, I think it's called the Via Dolorosa, up to Jerusalem, to the old city. But when I went with Andy, we, uh, we, we went to um, the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall. And uh, that's the place where uh, it's the outer wall, it's the Western Wall of the temple. Um, and uh, Jews and others have prayed there for hundreds of years. It's the place where Jesus uh, walked. He would have been there. Uh, it's the, just the other side was where God's presence dwelt um, uh, in the Holy of Holies and all of that. And I remember going there and I remember going to pray and I put my hands on that wall. And as I prayed and there were people praying all around doing this and in every nook and cranny there were notes where people had left prayers. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, I'm in a holy place. Jesus was here. This is a holy place. And then it suddenly hit me. It suddenly hit me. No, it's not. It's a lovely place. But it's not the holy place. And it suddenly dawned on me, where is the holy place? And I say this in all humility. I really do. It suddenly hit me. I am the holy place. I am the place of God's dwelling. And the only thing that slightly spoils it for me is, so are you. We are his temple. We are his temple. He lives in us. The Holy Spirit comes and fills us. And I remember when I was six months after, I, we received the Spirit uh, when we become Christians. Because you can't receive Jesus without receiving his Spirit. But then we need to be filled with the Spirit. Sometimes again and again and again, go on being filled with the Spirit. And I remember six months after I became a Christian, I was prayed for by friends. And I was so immersed in his spirit. And it was like, oh my goodness, he lives in me. And when he came to live in me, it was like there were things that I knew because I knew because I knew. I would sit on my bed and I would just say, God, you're my father. You're my father. You love me. You're my father. Jesus, I love you. You're my friend. You're my savior. And I knew it. And the way you know when you know it is you never have to remind yourself. You never have to say, oh, I've got to remember he's my father. When you know, when you absolutely know, there's something that happens. And do you know what happens? That's when, that's when the joy comes. The joy is in his presence. It really is. The joy is when you know. Have you ever seen children when they really, really know they're loved, when they really know they're full of joy. Um, we've got to be careful not to keep talking about Josiah Croft, Andy's boy, because although he's four right now, when he's a teenager, he's going to hate his daddy 
and his well, Uncle Mike will be in heaven by then, but uh, he's going to hate his Uncle Mike as well because it'll be like we, you know, it'll be so embarrassing. But uh, every now and then, um, Josiah, I can't believe I do this, but Josiah and I go for um, the two of us. We go for a meal together, um, and uh, uh, a few weeks ago we were in Frankie and Benny's. And uh, we were sitting there, and we were having a little chat and, and eating. And then on the way back, Josiah said, it was just after we'd had baptisms here. And uh, uh, Jossie said, um, why do people get baptized? What's baptism? And I got myself ready to give the theological answer. And I said, well, when they go down into the water, it's like they say goodbye to the old life. They say goodbye, they die to the old life. And they rise up to the new life with Jesus. So they get an exchanged life. That's what it means. And then Joss thought for a few seconds and he said, but Uncle Mike, I love my life. And I thought, oh no, I didn't see that coming. So I had to backtrack. And I had to, I had to get my theology right for a four-year-old. And it was like, no, no, no. It doesn't mean that you, you know, like he'll kill your old kill you it doesn't mean that you're going to lose your family or anything like that he'll add to your life I said and I had to 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 change it but you know I said that those words but Uncle Mike I love my life and we truly love life when we know we are loved by our creator by our maker the power is in the presence healing is in his presence. Everything we long for is in his presence. Seek me and live, says the Lord, through the prophet Amos. Seek the Lord that you might have life. It's like a plant or a flower blossoming and growing in the sunshine. In the sunshine of his presence, we have life. It's the most healthy place to be. Let us be, as the band comes up, to give people hope now, band, now. Um, uh, Let us be a people. Let us be a people, above all, who seek his face, who seek his presence, who seek the sweetness of his love. And the good news is we're pushing at an open door. We really are. He wants to dwell with us more than we want to dwell with him. Say, if you're not thirsty, God, make me thirsty. Say, if you're not longing, God, do whatever you need to. Give me a longing. Take me to the spiritual desert if I have to so that I can say with David, one thing, I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, to dwell in the house, in the presence of the Lord all the days of my life. It's our destiny. It's our inheritance. Let us choose to enter in now. We're pushing at an open door. As we begin to worship, we've got a few minutes If you long, or if you long to long, then I just want to invite you for for more of him, for more of him, come forward. 
come forward. And, and it's not, you know, if, you're, if you need healing, we'll, we'll pray for healing. Uh, if you need a change in circumstances, we'll pray for that. But you know what? What we'll pray above all is for more of him because healing's in his presence. And we don't, we don't seek him for power. We seek him for him. But when we get him, we get everything. We get everything. All the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places are ours in him.